I was in Hollywood, one of the actresses on General Hospital, which was a soap opera. And though I thought I had arrived to the top in life, I felt so unimportant. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to talk about living a shallow life, a life that craves attention, money, power, influence, and wealth. And the idea of the pursuit of happiness can lead to even less happiness. Why is that? Seeking happiness is the American dream, isn't it? Yet so many Americans are unhappy living off of antidepressants, Prozac. How is this possible? Well, on our show today, we will have Tina Gallo, who was a famous actor in General Hospital and played the role of Dee Dee, amongst many other movies. Yet at the height of her career, she still didn't feel fulfilled or happy, but was rather filled with emptiness. Today, she found the answer to truly being happy, and it wasn't all that fame and fortune. Tina, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me, Anli. Tina, I'm so glad to have you on our show, and I think we have a lot to learn from your testimony because you played in shows like General Hospital, which I've always known about, and many other movies, you know, like shows like the new Mike Hammer show, The Love Boat, the movie Christmas at Keystone. You really had the spotlight on you, and today you're an acting coach. Tell us about your acting career. Yeah, well, I'm still an actress as well, but thank God I'm doing it for his glory and getting involved in faith-based films or at least movies and features that have a good message about them. But it always wasn't like that, right? No, no. You were in like Hollywood of Hollywood. I was. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to go back a little bit then, I'm guessing. Yeah. So what was it like? When I was younger, I wanted to be in Hollywood. How was it? Yeah, well, I started out in training, obviously, in New York City. Go a little bit further back than that, I was actually on the road with Mr. Frank Sinatra for a couple of years. No way. Well, I was selling his novelties, is what we called it in the day, but basically his merchandise. (laughs) Okay. I was on the road for about two and a half years and just became a real family member. But I was realizing my dreams weren't coming true as far as my acting ambitions. Hmm. And so one day I had asked the question on how do I become an actress? I was seeing so many glamorous people and I was seeing a lot of old Hollywood folks that I used to watch on TV as a little girl and wanted to be like them. And I was seeing new Hollywood mixed together, but nothing was happening for me personally. So I was told you have to find out if you have any talent, kid. Wow. And I said, well, how do I do that? (laughs) I mean, at least, you know, you're getting the question started because so many people never get that spot. But what would you say? Was it seeing all these actors was your main motivation of becoming an actor in the first place? It started probably as a three-year-old little girl. I just loved entertainment. I loved watching the shows. I used to make believe I was Nancy Sinatra when the song came out, These Boots Are Made For Walking, giving my age away. (laughs) But, you know, it was just something I really gravitated toward. I loved singing and dancing and all the shows. So it just started as a young girl. I see. Now, I understand that you were like a starlet. What does that mean? 
Well, I think it's you're an up and coming actress. I finally left my training in New York City. I've done many, many years studying the craft. And I had my eyes set on a soap opera at the time, which was General Hospital. I had already done quite a bit of under five work in New York City, which is 25 words or five lines on the various soaps in New York and got a lot of training under my belt. But my eyes were on GH. Went to Hollywood and it was like a culture shock. Hollywood in New York was very, very different. Hmm. I made it happen. I did get cast on the show, and it's a very small town. It's like, I guess, any other industry probably, but when you're involved, everyone knows everyone. I have a chapter in my book called Lost and Found in Tinseltown, and when you start working, the next thing that happens, you find yourself doing guest appearances on different shows, and from one to the next to the next. Mm-hmm. I was all of a sudden in that dream, making things happen, living on the beach in Marina Del Rey, a contract player on this dream soap that I wanted to be on at the time and meeting the people that I wanted to meet and thought would help me even get further in my career and doing lots of guest appearances. Wow. Living the life. Yeah. I was going to all the Hollywood parties and living the life at the time. Well, so this is your dream coming true. Were you happy? It seemed like it. Well, that's a good question because in the midst of that dream coming true, I was very much into health and nutrition, but I noticed I started tearing my body down. I was getting really caught up in the life. Hmm. I can't say that I was truly happy. There was a lot of inward things that I was dealing with from brokenness from childhood that were surfacing. I was not really happy. And that was a problem for me because I couldn't understand that. It sounds like there were parties. There were probably lots of alcohol, food. Maybe even drugs? Cocaine was the drug of the day in the 1980s, no doubt about that. I don't think there was ever a party where there wasn't cocaine laid out somewhere. Wow. It just was considered like a glamour drug. But one of the things, I was not really into taking drugs, but I did dabble with cocaine and I drank. My champagne cocktails were my drink of the day. I see. So yeah, you were living a good life, but it just wasn't enough. And you said something from your past wasn't resolved. Is that right? Yeah, well, you know, as a child, I was raised in an Italian family with all brothers and my dad. My mother wasn't really around, so it was very difficult for me. We lived in a nice suburban area, really didn't see divorce. There wasn't really single family homes around in my earlier childhood. So there was just a lot of abandonment issues that I had dealt with. My parents were very different in age. Mm. My mother was much younger than my dad, and she was still searching for her own desires in life. She came from brokenness, so it just kind of crinkled on down to me, and I basically was finding my own way, kind of raising myself. Yeah, so it sounds like going with your mom kind of left like a void in your heart. Oh, huge. Absolutely. You were needing that. So how did you compensate for the lack of attention and validation that you were missing in your life for your mom? Well, needing it, but it was also a time in our society that it wasn't prevalent outwardly. And so when I went to anything, whether it be Girl Scouts or whatever I might have been involved in, all the other girls had their mothers. Their mothers were taking them school shopping for school clothes, the littlest things, brushing their hair. Mm -hmm. And I would observe these things and long for it because I didn't have a mother taking me school shopping. I didn't have a mother brushing my hair and fussing over me. And so, you know, those messages that you're not good enough and you're not important started downloading into me and finding home somewhere in my heart. And when my mother did come around, which might be once a year or every few months or whatever it might be, coming and going, I wasn't her priority. Mm. And so I was always doing whatever I could do for us to connect in some way, but... 
there was nothing really very important about me, I felt. Wow. No, I understand. Fast forward here, you were always sabotaging yourself. Like even though you rose to great heights, something in your mind was battling, in your heart even. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, you know, I'm writing a book. It's called Unfiltered, and it's seeing yourself as God sees you. You know, it's difficult because things at a very early age, everything impresses us as children, and it finds a home, a place in your heart. So those messages, I was receiving them and the perception of them through the wrong filter very early on. Mm -hmm. And so the filter that I received information and the filter that I began to look out of was distorted. Mm. And so it began to shape the value of myself, my self-worth, because I fell into the trap very early on of comparing myself to others because, well, wow, their moms fuss over them, say they must be better than me. Everybody must be better than me. And you're fighting that inward battle through your teen years, through your early years. I learned to put a mask on to navigate through life. So my outward appearance looked like I had it all together, but inside I was really crumbling and longing for just the normal things that we all desire and need as a child. Tina, let's stop here. Thanks so much for revealing the truth. And you know, you doing this proves that there's a huge change in your life. I can't wait to hear about how the Lord Jesus changed your life. Your testimony is illuminating on the reality of living this starlit life and how empty it could be. Tina, thanks so much for sharing with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Hold on. Let's go deeper into the trap that can happen when we're pursuing only happiness in our lives right after this short break. Are you or someone you know going through a tough time? Is someone you know struggling with addiction, depression, going through a life-changing event? Do you feel like these powerful shows could help? If so, please share this show with your friends and family. You can find these powerful shows on any popular listening platform like Spotify, Alexa, Google Podcasts, and more. You can search The Real Life Radio Show with Onlay. That's A-N-H-L-E. Just pick the testimony they need to hear and share the link. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about us or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at www.therealliferadioshow.com. That's www.therealliferadioshow.com. Please help us to expand the reach of these shows. We couldn't do it without you. More Real Life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? To me, her life sounds like she was living the American dream. Fame, fortune, status, importance. I think everyone deep inside is looking for some level of these things. And why? Because I think we believe that once we attain these things, we will finally be happy. But is this true? There are articles everywhere stating that why is America one of the richest countries in the world, also one of the countries with so many people who are so depressed? Does having fame, riches, popularity, all that stuff, is it really what life is all about? It is written in ancient scriptures that life is not about the wealth, the fame, nor the importance, because these things will eventually fade. In Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, it's written, There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it's common among men, a man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor, so that he lacks nothing for himself of all he desires, yet God does not give him the power to eat of it, but a foreigner consumes it. This is vanity, and it is an evil affliction. 
Now, isn't this wisdom? Think about this. The most famous and rich person, after a few years, can be forgotten. And riches are usually eventually lost because we can't bring it with us into eternity. What does all that fame and fortune, attention, status, all the photographers, everything, what does it lead to? It's vanity, says the Bible, meaning it's meaningless. You can hear that in Tina's story. She was with the main characters of a very famous show. She was at the party, the party. She had finally become the person who was with all the greats. What did it lead to? You can hear the emptiness of how she describes the experience. Beloved, I want you to know there's something beyond the pursuit of riches and fame in this life. There is eternity. There is love. There is Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. Father God, I'm praying right now. Help us, Lord, to know what are we pursuing? What are we pursuing, Lord? Your word says to pursue you and then everything will be added to us. Jesus, for the person who's saying, gosh, I need to get my eyes locked back on God. Lord Jesus, we receive you, we believe in you, and we lock our eyes on you. In Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony, and I know that your life was touched. If you need prayer, please send us a text at 877-325-8030. That's 877-325-8030. See you next time.